And we have kicked off. It is the Play On podcast at Podcast Play On at Beer at Bands. Thank you for listening. Thank you for checking us out. Make sure you subscribe, you share with your friends and loved ones. It's myself, co-host Ben English. It's Ash. How you doing, Ben? Cal. How you doing, Cal? How you doing, guys? Uh, I'm well. Yeah, good. I'm very well, very well, very well, indeed. Uh, Happy Father's Day to everyone listening. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, happy Father's Day, Ash. Yes, the little ones there. Happy Father's Day to my dad and all the great guys that are around um, doing a wonderful thing to raising their boys and their girls as well. Hey, Cal, how are you? I'm very well, um, but uh, it's definitely about the fathers today, so shout out to all of the fathers out there listening, and of course yourself, Ash, uh, resident father on the podcast. Um, sure. I'm not sure if our guest is a father or not. We do have a guest with us today. We do. He can, he can let us know that. Um, he's the host of Guns and Yellow Ribbons, um, a very, very funny guy um, who we hope don't, doesn't get us banned today. <laughs> so yeah, over to over to you, Fergus. Uh, good morning, good after, good afternoon. It is now. Yeah, I am a dad. I'm a dad of two. I'm also a grandfather of three. Yes. So happy Grandfather's Day to all the granddads out there as well, because uh, we do help out along the way. Um, delighted to be on, guys. Uh, not sure. Um, if I can live up to the the funny guy sort of thing, it might be, you know. Uh, and looking at the agenda, having a middle aged white man on a very politically heavy um, uh, uh, topic is is going to be hilarious. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we'll get your views, your views, but of course, everyone's listening. Thank you, and hopefully, we're helping you as you uh, get through your week, uh, either your commute to and from work. I know a lot of people are going back to work now. Um, or just helping you with whatever you've got going on at home. Obviously, uh, it's important that we stay safe. And as always, we are supporting uh, Black Lives Matter and giving everyone a voice. So please hit us up at Beer at Vance, at Podcast Play on Beer and at gmail.com. Let us know. Always here to help and talk about how we're, we're feeling. So, uh, Fergus, what is your team for the benefit of the listeners? I, think it's I, like- I follow the... Arsenal. There's only one team in the country that been, can be called the, and it's the Arsenal. Excellent, excellent. And, and your podcast, you, you cover all things Arsenal. Um, we usually like to ask our guests uh, if they could sum up Arsenal's season in three words, or if they could sum up sort of the, the beginning of uh, Project Restart in three words, what would those three words be? To be honest, the three words I've got written down could sum up Arsenal season and it could also sum up uh, Project Restart and, and, and the environment at the, mo- the moment, uh, which is a totally sad situation. Totally sad situation. Yeah, we'll agree on that. Did, did mm. you expand on that, sort of your views on, on what's been going on recently? Well, as a season ticket holder, um, I found that uh, all the excitement and build up to the Man City game, I felt actually quite flat about it because I thought... I can't go to the pub, I can't go and meet my friends, I can't go to the stadium, I can't sing and cheer on my team, I can't do anything but sit and watch it alone with a beer on the telly. Uh, it's just, it's sad to see what's happened to people around football It's and in the general world. It's just, it's just totally sad. And the Arsenal situation, well, the last two games will give you an indication. Yes, we didn't expect to get anything against City, but... Um, the performance yesterday against Bournemouth just shows the spineless at the minute. Mm, the game against Brighton was... Um, what was Sorry, it? Brighton, not Bournemouth. Uh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. It could have been Bournemouth, it could have been Brighton, probably would have been the same result mm. in this game. So it is, it is sad times, and I think the, the world over it are definitely feeling the effects with uh, everything that's going on. 
with COVID and, of course, the protests and the murders and the ill-treatment of, of people by the police uh, and fascists sort of rearing their ugly head. Uh, and it's probably become more apparent with sort of the emptiness in the stadiums now. There's an eeriness of an empty stadium whenever you watch a team play and it's just the way it's set up with the sound meant to, meant to be bouncing off each other. It, it's really quiet now. Um, just, I don't know what, what you guys have been doing, but have you been having the sound on or sound off when you've been watching games? I've been going for sound on. Uh, I quite like that uh, that sound experience, um, but uh, I'm not sure about everyone else. Ash? A mix. So for some games, I have the sound on. So the um, Tottenham United game, I had the sound on for. But some of the other games, which I didn't have as much interest in, I'd listen to a podcast or have some music in and just watch the game from there. Fergus, what was your choice? I've done, I've done a mixture of both. On the City game, I switched between the two channels. And when I'm watching Arsenal, I found it better to watch it without sound. And when I'm watching other teams, because it's more in the background, I can watch it with sound. Because if I'm if I'm watching Arsenal and I can hear the Arsenal away boys singing Arsenal, Arsenal it, I, I just and some of the songs are in the wrong places and it just doesn't feel normal. Yeah, yeah. It's not really been properly thought out yet or, or someone hasn't sort of done their homework. Um, it's been a mix for me whenever I've sort of watched it or had the choice of watching it with a stream. If I can get it in English, then I'm lucky in the first place. Um, <laughs> Um, I do like hearing the players talking and, and, and the sound of the ball being hit in the back of the net. And it does go back to what we said over the past few weeks when watching it in uh, the, German, the Bundesliga. And sort of, if you play football, I've always enjoyed that sound. So from a fan's point of view, I've liked the, the rawness of it. But now and again, a bit of noise um, hasn't, hasn't gone amiss. Um, we'll we'll kickstart with the Project Restart, the first game. So we'll do a review of the past few games. Uh, Aston Villa, Sheffield United, a ball draw. Well, it wasn't a ball draw, the goal that never was. Um, what were your thoughts on this uh, with the line proving to be That is one of the worst decisions I think I've seen in football. Um, and the reason I say that is because he he's clearly behind the goal. Um, and it's just that reliance of technology. So you, every, everyone could probably see it. And I don't think the referee done anything wrong because he expects the technology to work. Um, the linesman maybe should have, again, should have flagged. But again, there's just that reliance of technology. But that was so clear. Even in real time, I was like, that, that's a goal. And I, 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 I couldn't believe it. I actually watched that game for the first half and it just was so boring. I ended up switching it off to prepare myself for um, the game after, which we'll speak about in a bit. But yeah, that was that was a massive, massive mistake. And it could be really costly to some to a team like Sheffield United who have real aspirations of getting into the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Well, I think sort of more more the other end um, with Aston Villa needing to stay up. And if they do yeah. stay by a point, then that's going to be incredibly pivotal in, in the season. Mm-hmm. It should have been given uh, by either Hawkeye or an additional or official um, or someone in the stands and the ball was so clearly over the line it wasn't sort of no margin for every day it was clearly over you got one to feel for some of the teams there and there was even talks about maybe um, Aston Villa giving Sheffield United the goal like allowing them to walk in the goal like it happened in the championship earlier Mm. I can't imagine them wanting to do that with so much at stake in the Um, if 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 they are that determined to try and even it up, why don't they just replay the game like the, uh, Arsenal did against um, Sheffield United all those years ago? Yes. Um, 
You know, why not do that? Um, Hawkeye has made 9,000 correct decisions. It's made one wrong decision. Mm. Yes, it is wrong. And yes, the goal should have stood. But for people to slag off goal line technology, I think it's been fantastic. It's the one thing that has been bang on every time. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. Um, I just think it was just such a clear error. So my thing is this as well. So it looked like it was a clear error. At no point could the referee have said, you know what, I need that to be checked by VAR. This has been my issue with VAR or go to go to the screen and then have another look at it. I think this is what we should be pushing for VAR. If it's there, use it to its full capability, not just rely on elements of technology when you can actually verify it. What about the lino, Ash? You know, I said that as well. The lino should have noticed that or he should have put his flag up to say, you need to check this. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For power um, and, and put it into place there. But uh, Neil Nish, Sheffield United... Uh, showing sort of why they are where they are with the great defence. Uh, those with Sheffield United in the fantasy football team. Oh. But Ash uh, <laughs> league is sort of look look down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit of um, and then, talking about defence, I did think that was a bit of a defensive calamity from Aston Villa there that led to that controversial uh, was it a goal, wasn't it a goal uh, decision. Um, so maybe they need to improve on that in the future. I think it looked like a defender sort of running into the goalkeeper, which caused yeah. the ball to go off the line. Um, at their back, back, uh, back line. Um, talking of another team that needs to sort their back line out, and this is the <laughs> game that uh, we all sort of were looking forward to. It was this one of the standout games of Project Restart. Manchester City, free, Arsenal, nil. Uh, Fergus, what were your sort of views going into the game, first game back? Going into the game, I was... Uh, because I'm looking at some of the German football and, and, and thinking maybe that there was uh, an advantage to the away team, that teams not lying up together in the uh, in the tunnels beforehand. I thought we'd probably get a draw, but I was forced by Lee Judges to admit, uh, put my heart behind my club and predict a victory. So I predicted a 3-2 victory to Arsenal. I thought we'd concede goals. I thought Man City would concede goals because defensively uh, they're um, not fantastic. Um, but we then had this happen. David Luiz, David Luiz, don't need to say any more. Uh, we were really unlucky with uh, a couple of injuries uh, in the first 20 minutes and having to make two subs. Then Bobo the Clown come on. And I was making my notes for uh, the podcast that I'm, uh, I do. And uh, I was just about to write that we haven't conceded. Uh, we haven't. It's the first time in 12 games against Man City that um, we've gone in not behind at half time. And boom. Definitely. Do you think sort of, but the goal was definitely on the cards leading up to that mistake because they had three clear cut chances with Leno keeping Arsenal in the team. If it wasn't for maybe Sterling putting the ball over, uh, De Bruyne just absolutely pulling pulling the back four apart. So maybe a one nil, although it could have been prevented with David Luiz uh, putting the putting his foot through the ball or doing something with it so it didn't feed onto Sterling. But maybe one nil, maybe flattered Arsenal going into. To hut the the first half, Ash. What do you think about that? I think for the first twenty minutes, um, both teams took a while to get into their rhythm. I definitely think Man City started to assert the authority on the game, but I was watching it thinking, okay, if we can get to half time, let's see what happens. The goal, the goal before half time, completely just shattered us. Um, 
yeah, we were we were going to be on the ropes, but just to, like Fergus said, to get in at half time nil nil, you can kind of restock, go again, and see what happens. Um, the injuries were were were, were telling. Um, Jackar doing his ankle, and then Maori of looking like he's going to be out for quite a long time. But again, with David Luiz, it's really weird because he came on the pitch. He's played like a long raking pass first. Should touch. I play the music again? No, no, no thank you. <laughs> um, long raking pass. Teams seem to be on it, and then it was just the most routine thing to do: just knock the ball out, or just just be aware of your of of the circumstance that the, the pitch is slightly slippery. And it's just like his head went, like his head went. And the thing with David Luiz is. The moment he makes one mistake, you can guarantee another one's coming within 10 minutes or 20 minutes. That's the problem with him. He can be great for a game. And I'm actually a David Luiz fan. Really? Um, yeah, I am. I think, he's, I think he's a very good player. I just don't think he's good in the two. And I said this. And I said, on the first time I came on this podcast, I said, we should play three at the back with him in the centre because he's a much better defender Correct. in a three right. than he is as a two. Um, but yeah, he just as soon as that happened, his head was gone. And he, yeah, it was it was just it was just so, ridiculous. You could tell he wasn't ready to come on. He wasn't mm. sharp. He obviously didn't start because he wasn't showing Arteta or anything in training. Mm. And also, there's behind the scenes of the contract. He had that, uh, so he could tell that when he came on, he wasn't up to pace and up to speed. Um, I thought Man City looked a lot sharper and fitter than we did, um, which was also telling of maybe the prep or you know that Arteta has put into the team uh, so far, not to be sort of too... In, but he, and then, like you said, he paced by Mares, and at the end, he came out to apologise. I mean, OK, fair on him. You should be apologising anyway, the amount of money you're on and, and you're wearing the, uh, the shirt. But also the sort of the telling statement about the contract and, and leaving it up in the air and... What, what about the more telling, telling thing that uh, Arteta said, uh, that it was a tactical choice to leave Ozil out? Now, this is, yeah, what's your view on this? Because I've heard that it's about, the because he had a newborn uh, and he didn't want to sort of put his, his wife and child at risk. Others are saying it's the Zoom meeting that he didn't attend or in training, he's not been putting his all in. So um, what's your view on, on Ozil Ferguson sort of being left? I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping and praying that the reason he was left out for tactical reasons is because he's packing tea chests with all his furniture and everything else ready to move to Fenerbahce or Galatasaray. Go, get out of my club. Not welcome anymore. Yeah, Dave is welcome, and and then not even being played against Brighton, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, it's a it was a strange one against Man City, and then sort of when you're down to ten men against the champions and one of the best teams in Europe and the world, you're going to be yeah. Cal, can can we just go back to that um, contract um, issue, which I think is 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 a bit of an interesting situation there. So I think what it is is at the moment Louise's contract is expiring. Uh, and the club doesn't want to renew his contract. No, he's got a one. He's got a one. A one plus plus one. So we have an option to extend it for another one. We've offered him another two plus two and a, redu- and a reduction in uh, wages. Uh, but Stan Kroenke doesn't want to give him the contract. I can see why. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So from, from what I understand, Arteta does want to offer him a contract, and Luis does want to stay. Yeah. Wants to keep um, him. On? Yes, but Kronka doesn't want him to stay. That's yeah. interesting. He's a real man about the club, apparently, you know, in the changing room and around the stadium. And he does bring a lot. He's not first choice, second choice. And with all these injuries, 
I mean, obviously, it's, it's unfortunate what happened with it with the injury early on. So he was forced to come on, and it was just put us in a bad place. And, and both mistakes were his. And, yeah. And it's never easy against against Man City. So worrying times. Uh, well, not worrying. I mean, that that game was in hand. Couldn't we get anything out of City? Um, just moving on. Another three 0 this time. Southampton away uh, to Norwich. That man, Danny Ings, the most shipped out player in fantasy football, uh, returns to sort of everyone goal and assist and mm. continue to be in big, big trouble. Any surprise? They were awful. Um, they do this thing where they keep playing into the person who's got the most players around him. <laughs> so rather than kind of play up to, say, the wings, they always go through the centre of the park. And all Southampton did was um, continue to press the area and they just waited for the mistake to happen. So Danny Ings hit the crossbar at the towards the end of the first half. It was just it was it was coming, and as soon as they got the first goal, Southampton were comfortable. Um, not Norwich are down for me, um, and I just think, yeah, I think potentially, I think Bournemouth are going as well. It's just that last place which I'm not too sure about. Yeah, we'll that uh, we'll, yeah. we'll in a moment. But Southampton looking good, and they have Arsenal next. Norwich, um, there's that saying, you know, too good to go down, but but numbers don't lie. They they play mm. football uh, in parts at Southampton against Southampton in the first half, but didn't take their chances, and mm. it's not good. For the Canaries, um, the big game or one of the big games of the restart, Tottenham and Man United. Uh, sort of your views on the Spurs game with United travelling to London? Uh, I can't stand either team, obviously. My brothers are all Man United fans and Tottenham, well, for, you know, Middlesex team. Um, so, uh, from the bits I watched, I didn't watch the full game. From the bits I watched, I think Man United were unfortunate not to take all three points. Uh, Tottenham had to get, a, a, you know, uh, got lucky with a goal. Um, but United could have been 3 4. Oh. Yeah, agreed. I think they changed once Once Pogba came on, they changed the dynamic. Yeah. And he just showed his quality. I mean, like, like him or, or love him, you can't doubt his talent. And he was outstanding when he came on. And there's, um, but did anyone see, or did anyone want to sort of build on Roy Keane's comments? Now, Roy Keane is like Marmite. Uh, people like him, people dislike him for whatever he has to say or his history, especially against Arsenal. But Roy remember, Keane, I'm Irish. Got <laughs> <laughs> no issues with uh, with Roy Keane and the Irish. Although he laid in, I remember the uh, was it Jack Chalk? He walked out on us. He walked out on Mick McCarthy in Korea and Japan. Yeah. So for me and the Man United factor, Roy King can do one. I'm in a good mood. I was. Really, I was really... <laughs> <laughs> this has been this has been therapy for for Fergus. Yeah. Yeah. Who do I send the bill to? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I can I can speak a bit more on on Roy Keane's comments because um. What was funny is, so I had that game on with the sound, but then at halftime I, I um, muted it. But I could just see Roy Keane's face getting redder and redder and redder. So I went back on my Sky Plus and then I listened to what he said. And he uh, he, he offered David Luiz out. He stuck it on Maguire. Um, just wouldn't stop talking about how poor Shaw was. And actually, he was right because th- those, three, those three players was so culpable in a goal that should have been stopped. Um, Shaw heads it up in the air and then decides to run forward. It comes to Bergwin, who then just does a very simple move past Maguire, who's positionally wrong, left way too long to um, to, to move and recover. And then David Louis, and then I'm sorry, um, David De Gea 
the ball straight at him and he somehow punched it into the into the top of the roof of the net. It's such a poor goal to give away. I could understand Roy Keane offering out David Luiz as well, because I think a lot of fans wanted to know. <laughs> De Gea, I mean, been Man United's player of the season last few seasons, one of the best goalies in the world. Uh, when he makes a mistake, it's, it's glaring obvious. Should have done better with the Bergwijn. Great goal for Bergwijn. Sort of he's back. Uh, Do you think De Gea is overrated like what Roy Keane thinks? No, 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 of course not. No. He made an amazing save from Son as well. I think, I think Keane called him the most overrated goalkeeper in the world or something like that. No, that was Armunia. <laughs> <laughs> made my heart Evans. It kind of been that bad. Um, Roy Keane is, you know, he he's one of them pundits that says things to sort of uh, like a shock value, um, almost like the people on Talk Sport that say things that, to get people calling in and, and talking, uh, or Carragher does or Neville does. Uh, he was obviously angry and upset. He, he uh, you know, he represented Man United for so long and did well considering his ability with world-class players around him. Um, and he was just sort of going on to one. Uh, Tottenham looked slow and sluggish, which is understandable. Man United were unlucky to not win it uh, with a few chances at the end. Um, just moving swiftly on, because I'm conscious of time, we had uh, Watford start with sort of um, Ben Chilwell. Cracking goal. His, his, his move to Chelsea, you know, so why everyone's interested in buying him. Great goal. Um, nothing happened, sort of, you wait all game for something to happen and then two goals, two really good goals towards the last three, four minutes or so. Um, Watford, apparently the second best home record behind Liverpool. So, scraped, wow. scraping a point there. Um, I don't know if you guys want to add anything to, to that game there. I, I won't see it. Okay. Um, and then that led us nicely, or sort of unfortunately, onto the weekend. Brighton's second game <clears throat> from Project Restart, and they were away to Arsenal away to Brighton. Now, a lot of hopes were sort of hoping that we'd bounce back from the Man City defeat. Um, changing personnel at the back. Fergus, I know you watched this. What are your views on sort of holding, uh, returning, uh, and then Saka being played in that sort of number 10 role? Saka, the number 10 role, I don't have an issue with because he's quite creative. Uh, Holding looked a bit rusty. Um, My my main issue is, as much as I don't like the player, uh, without Saka or somebody like that in the midfield, um, we don't don't have much outlet. Um, I, uh, you know, David Luiz part two and Guendouzi, I I just don't rate him. And I'm on Facebook uh, and I run Arsenal Fans Forum, which is a, a group that we've got. Um, and I'm getting absolutely berated because people love his work rate and his passion and, and, and this, that and the other. But I just thought he was cowardly. Um, mm. And he's, you know, uh, you know, we, we, we had a quick chat beforehand, myself and Ash. And what he did afterwards and when he put the, his hand around uh, Mopay's uh, throat was yeah. cowardly. He could yeah. have done that at any point within the game. You know, gone and broke his leg or whatever. You know what I mean? In a, in a nasty tackle. But uh, there was that. Then there's also the controversy that people are saying that Mopay purposely went into Leno and uh, fouled Leno. He didn't. He, he tried to push Leno out of the box because Leno had overstretched himself. It's an unfortunate foul, in my view. Um, the, the purposely, wouldn't you say? Sorry? Wouldn't you say that's going into him purposely, like on purpose? He, he knocked into. He didn't. He maybe didn't on purpose meant to injure him, but he purposely knocked into him. Which mm. is like, 
Yeah, you know, he made a professional foul. He tried to uh, uh, put him off balance and make him fall outside the box, so which he did, uh, yeah. and uh, that the, he he would uh, benefit by having a free kick for a handball outside the box. Uh, the uh, keeper could have got a yellow card or whatever. You know, there's there's plenty of, but there's no way that he went in uh, with the intention to injure the guy and, and wipe his season out. Yeah, agreed. But he did plan to go into him. He did plan to sort of make contact. And I think that's why Leno was upset because he was pointing at him as he was being stretched off. Yeah, but uh, listen, uh, somebody, uh, I'm having an ongoing argument um, on again on a thread about the, about the, the game. And somebody said, yeah, he went into him when he was midair. You tell me when a keeper is not in midair that a player doesn't go into uh, def- uh, an attacking player or uh, one of the opposition players. Don't go into a keeper when they're midair. My, my, my daughter's boyfriend, um, he ended up like two weeks in hospital with broken ribs because for that very reason. Goalkeepers are nutters. They jump into oncoming traffic. So can I jump in here? Because I just found that the, the Mopé thing was... It's interesting that you reference that because in the at the end of the Man City Arsenal game, obviously Edison's come through, headed the ball, and kind of through collateral damage knocked out um, Garcia, who's out for a couple of days. Um, but Edison can see the whole picture. What Mope did, I think, was really silly and sly because Leno's got the ball in his hands, and he doesn't mean to, he doesn't mean to injure him, but he does he does try to put he, he actually turns and pushes him for no reason. And yeah, it's really unfortunate what happened to Leno. But my thing is this: if that doesn't happen, Leno's fine. So we. I was going to say. I was going to say the way Leno was because he was overstretched anyway. Do you not think he would have come down awkwardly on that knee anyhow? I don't think he would have. I think the. I think the push slightly changed his 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 body because he's he pushed him into his shoulder, so his body's turned slightly. So what's happened then is as he's planting his foot, he's not actually. He's not looking, or his 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 eyes aren't where they should have been. So he's been slightly pushed off, and ev- and everyone knows if you slightly push someone in the air, you then can't control the landing as well as you would have. At the moment, Le- Leno's completely in control. He knows what he's doing. As soon as you're pushed slightly in the air, that then stops you from having that level of control that you would have had anyway. It was unfortunate, and and sort of adds to the injury list now. But sort of also sort of just moving on from this, what was worrying was that Arsenal had chance after chance. The, uh, mm. the goal slightly offside uh, with Aubameyang. Uh, he played to the whistle. He, he put it away. Uh, that was unlucky. Saka hitting the uh, crossbar. few chances from Aubameyang again throughout the game. But they didn't put the game to bed. Mm. And then end, just uh, the one-two. Mustafi either didn't follow the man or just couldn't sort of keep up. And then Mopai popping up with the winner which was worrying. And also the set piece was just a farce after, after scoring a goal, just not keeping mm. it. So we're, we're seeing continued defensive mistakes. Um, sort of, Fergus, what, what were your views on um, just those two goals towards the end? You must have been livid like every other person. Uh, defending was awful. I've just looked at my notes. Defending was awful for the equaliser, uh, uh, for the equaliser on the 75th minute. Uh, the, the 96th minute, bear in mind there was five added minutes where did the extra two minutes come? That that in you know I know it's a minimum of five added minutes, but um, you know Mope, his celebrations were very exuberant. I think he went and gave it gave it large to um, to Guendouzi because they were having a battle throughout the game. Um, nothing wrong I, with nothing wrong with that. I no, no, nothing mm. nothing wrong with that. Look, Brighton hadn't won a home game this year. They'd not yeah. scored in over five hours, and Arsenal concede two goals to one of the worst teams in the league. Um, you know, it just it just sums up Arsenal's defence, and Mustafi mm. is just a joke. 
yeah, 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 he is a joke. And um, questions about what what they're doing. Um, I don't know, sort of keeping their heads. That was worrying or upsetting. I know Guendouzi is a young man; doesn't excuse it though. So hopefully, Arteta will speak to him. And no Martinelli still. I know, sort of. Yeah. To be on a lot of people's uh, minds on social media, no Martinelli, and the subs may be coming on too little, too late. But it's uh, worrying times for Arsenal ahead and well done Brighton in that game moving on to another team with defensive woes West Ham United losing to Wolves and that man Jimenez scores again and also um, the winger that came on his name Neto no not Neto oh no Traore Traore oh he's he's amazing so I mean I don't know if anyone saw what he did but as soon as he came on so he's direct we already know that he's so strong he can put in the ball but now he's close close control is just Got so much better. He's he had some lovely feet in that game, didn't he? It, it, yeah. Um, he's he's proven to be so explosive for Wolves, and they're pushing on for this Champions League role. Um, great, great effort from Wolves, and more worries, more defensive worries for West Ham. Yeah, they were they were they were poor. Neto's goal was outstanding as well. Yeah. Um, the technique to watch it, and I think um, a big shout to Doherty. That um, he's the, I know he's a right wing back, but. He's just such, yeah, such a threat. Always pretty active. Another clean sheet for for Wolves. There, I'm backing them to do really well. Actually, I yeah. think they might end up um, finishing above a couple of the established established teams. That's I think it. it was that that goal where the build up was really good. Football it was like mm. Traore bringing the ball down and, and with some lovely feet to kind of beat a man and open up the pass. This open up the space for the pass into Doherty lovely ball from Doherty into the back post and then like you say Neto with a great technique and an awesome finish and and it seems that Wolves seem to have a squad of very technically good players um, that are just exciting to watch and also have some steel and some grit they seem to have everything and also have probably one of the best managers in the league Mm. amazing manager it's almost top manager it's almost like an Arsenal Mark two without sort of one or two individual flair players. They just get down to it. They've all got a job. They're defensively sound. They keep the ball well. They've got a good idea and identity. We, got we, He's done so well. We were so close to getting him. You mm. know that? He decided to stay at Wolves. Uh, we almost had him instead of um, in, instead of Arteta. Uh, Mendes, is, is that the... Um, yeah, his the, agent. His agent. Yeah. Super uh, agent. Yeah, the super agent was at Highbury House two weeks before Emery was sacked uh, and having discussions with the powers to be to bring in Nuno Santos to Arsenal. It just didn't come off. He decided to stay at Wolves. Such a shame. And he's doing fantastic at Wolves. Doing fantastic. Yeah, and they're doing well for the representatives. And another team, as we just round up the fixtures, uh, they seem to be getting the clean sheets. And I'm really happy for Roy Hodgson. And he's sort of, he's turned, what, 95 now or so? He's, he's sort of... <laughs> Um, he's about five years older than me. Yeah, <laughs> shouldn't he? Shouldn't he be? Um, shouldn't he be shielding? Oh, he's, he's got his back four to help him. He's got Cahill. Defensively, <laughs> uh, I mean Cahill, what a player! Uh, he put in an amazing tackle the other day, didn't he? He went oh, guess- King. One and one, the one and King. Oh, that was sort of flying, man. He took the ball, the man. Everyone was like, "Oh Ooh. my god!" <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was amazing, man. That King's ankle 
That's what I want to see from my centre half. If um if if Louise and Cole were doing stuff like that, they wouldn't have any criticism from me, mate. Well, that, well, we'll talk about. <laughs> 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 also, what popped up good for Crystal Palace is they've got they you know they did have arguably the the star player um, in Zaha, but. I mean, it's still yet to be seen if he consistently does it. But he sort of joined in as a team effort in the Van Aertel and uh, Mihailovic with a free kick um, mm. and Ayu popping up. So another clean sheet. Bournemouth are in big trouble. Could this be the season? Trouble. Punching above uh, their weight for years on end. I really like uh, Eddie Howe and the whole Bournemouth team. But it could be the end for them uh, as we sign off. Without any, any words about the last game, lads, before we move on? No, just the, the big worry that I said earlier on, I think Bournemouth are in deep trouble. I think them and Norwich are are gone. I really hope Villa stay up, but I just don't know who else. I, I kind of want Bright I wanted Brighton to go down, if I'm mm. honest. Um, I'd really rather Watford go down. Watford over, over no, I like I like Watford. They're staying like up. Watford. And I think they're doing enough there. Um, right, so we're just going to quickly touch on some of the fixtures on the Sunday today on Father's Day and then move on to sort of news. There are so many games to get through. Obviously, we can't touch on all the fixtures, but stay tuned to the podcast and we will inevitably review them. Uh, Newcastle, Sheffield United, that's got another, what, one all, nil, nil written all over it? Snore draw all day long. Won't be watching that. I'll be in a roast dinner instead. Nice. You can or have any cooked for you? Uh, oh, no, I'm cooking. I've got my grandkids oh. coming around and uh, I'm going to do a roast beef dinner. Nice. Nice, nice. nice. Uh, the uh, Yorkshire puts in that as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, this has got this has got sort of nil-nil. I'm, I'm hoping nil-nil because I've got four players in the defence of my fantasy football team playing in this game. I've so. got two, so maybe I need a 1-1 one, one with the two centre-backs scoring. <laughs> that would be even better for me. Cal, what are you saying for this? I think the general consensus is this is going to be a draw. What's your view? Yeah, yeah I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll take a draw on that. It doesn't look like either team are really going to be scoring a lot of goals. So, yeah, and, I know. Um, yeah, yeah. Moving on, we've got Aston Villa, Chelsea. Aston Villa's second game. They obviously had a game in hand. Could they improve on the earlier game against Sheffield United? We've got Chelsea's first game. Chelsea looking good. I fancy Chelsea sneak this. 7-0. 7-0. <laughs> it's got to be a Chelsea win, isn't it? Yes. Yes. I think it's uh, about time Tammy Abraham came back and scored a few goals. So this might be a, a, a time for him to do it if he gets to start there because they've got a few options at Chelsea now, haven't they? I really, really want Villa to stay up. So my heart is hoping for a draw. My head is saying Chelsea. Are you going for a Desmond? 1-1. Mm, oh, not a Desmond 2-2, but 1-1. One, one. Um, and... Well, we're between the Chelsea win or a draw there. Right, the big game, the biggest game, the Merseyside derby, Everton, Liverpool. I fancy Everton to, although they're really going to miss the crowd in this game, which would which would help galvanise them against you know the champions elect. But I do fancy Everton to spoil the party a bit and at the very least get a draw, maybe even nick it. Um, can anyone see further than the Liverpool win? I yeah, can. I, go, on, go on, go, 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 go. No, I can. I can definitely see Everton doing something. The, the only thing that I now think is because there is going to be no crowd. I think Liverpool are. It's a, it makes the game easier for Liverpool because if they had to go to Everton and the crowd would have been up, like not on our turf or such. Um, 
I think that could have that could have helped to pull Everton through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they've got listen, Richarlison, Calvert Lewin, um, they've got some good players. I just worry about their defence. Um, but I think maybe potentially, yeah, a draw. I think Everton might be able to nick something. I'm gonna go Everton win two one, Walcott and a Wolby. There we go. Jesus. <laughs> just, just so people know, I did crack a beer open just before we start recording. <laughs> I, I think it might be kicking in. <laughs> um, I'm with Fergus on, on the score, actually. I do fancy Everton to be riled up for this and to think, you know, not on our turf, you know, in a passionate Merseyside derby. Uh, but I, I fancy maybe Richarlison to get on the score sheet. He's been in pretty good form and he's a great player, isn't he? Anything to stop Liverpool winning the league. <laughs> Anything. Nice, nice. Um, well, uh, that sort of concludes the fixtures. Um, obviously, there's games throughout the week, so uh, we will sort of talk about that if and when it comes up. But that's the games we've got to look forward to this weekend, which obviously is coming to you Monday morning. So in hindsight, we hope we get it all right. Uh, general news, let's get our teeth into the first one. And I'm going to just... To wrap you there, Ben. Um, but do you think maybe we should take a quick look at the, uh, the Southampton-Arsenal game before we move on? Uh, we can do. Uh, yeah, we've got an Arsenal man here with Fergus. What, uh, what's your, when's that game? That is... I think it's next Thursday. Saturday. Thursday. Oh, Thursday? Yeah, That's we play the FA Cup on, on Sunday and Thursday against Southampton. Coming in, just add more, uh, more doom and gloom. Fergus, what's your view on the, on the Southampton? Can't, can't we go on to the political stuff? And... Walcott <laughs> 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 for that game, I tell you. No, no, we don't want to. I, I honestly don't know. I, I can't call it these days. And I don't think you can call any football game um, just because it's all strange with no crowds and unfit players, etc. It, it would have been an issue maybe with the away form and the fans. Um, I think Arsenal will need to... Well, the players will need to prove themselves to Arteta if he hasn't already lost a lot of them. I mean, this, because we were only one, of the team, one of the only teams with the pay cut, or if the, the only team with the pay cut, I'm not too, not too sure about that, but... Do any of you think that Arteta is beginning to lose the dressing room or he's trying to do what Pep did and phase out some of the more established players and bring in his I, way of thinking? I do know he's losing some of the fan base. Not me, I might add, but he is losing the, some, a lot of people who are questioning whether he's good enough for the role um, mm. and should he be um, blooded at a team of the calibre that is Arsenal. OK, I know where we are in the league and, and, and where we are is where we deserve to be, but um, we are one of the one of the top teams in the UK and, uh, you know, sh- should uh, a junior head coach be blooded at such a side where you could take in Nuno Santos, you could have taken Eddie Howe, you could have taken Sean Dyche, you know, th- there's other managers who are working their way up. Um, has he lost the dressing room? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think... Um, the people who are anti-Arteta in the dressing room are the people who are anti-anything and only want money and they need to go to Turkey. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. No names. <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs> These guys are offside. Talking about <laughs> um, So, and the Cal then, okay, Cal brought it up. So, you can jump to the Southampton game. What's your views? Ah. Uh, uh, I would I would have hoped that we'd get a victory, but I, I really don't know. Um, the, 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 we've touched on it before. The defence is so poor. 
I've got no faith. Um, a friend of mine who's also does same old Arsenal and joins me on Guns of Yellow Ribbons, uh, Dan Potts. Um, I think he's been on here as well with you guys. Yeah. Um, he's tapped out for the season. And you know what? I don't blame him. That's sad to see. Cal, uh, what's your view? I, I did say before you move on, Cal, uh, totally sad situation. You asked me to sum it up and I keep on going back to it. Um, yeah, to be honest, I'd, I'd really wanted to hear uh, Fergus's view on that uh, mostly. So, yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's an important game for Arsenal to win. We need to get back on the road. Um, hopefully we can win it. Um, I don't want to say too much about it, uh, being conscious of time and everything. But um, I don't know. I feel like we need to win more than Southampton does because they're not really in a, in a relegation battle um, and we need to push up the table. So let's hope we can do it. But it's not looking great if you just lost to, um, if you're just giving away six points to Brighton, is it? No, no, no. Right, let's get our teeth into something a bit more important. Uh, Marcus Rashford, pun intended. Marcus Rashford. Uh, I am standing up. Marcus Rashford. <laughs> Fair play. Defoe won Rashford. Uh, for me, I've gone cold at the back of my neck. Um, Defoe, what he did for young Bradley and what he continues to do for their family. Marcus Rashford, what he's done for his local community through lockdown and also what he's done for all the kids around the country. Mm. I got my back to you. Yeah, I wish more footballers could sort of... Well, we don't know who's doing what behind the scenes. I know a lot of players can uh, give to charity and do things, but when it comes to the forefront like this, uh, Marcus Rashford's campaign secures uh, school meals over the summer in children, vulnerable children, uh, making Boris Johnson take a U-turn um, and realising the errors of his ways. I wish he could make him see the errors of more of his ways uh, and his inept decision of running the country. Uh, Ash, what's your views on what Rashford has been doing or sort of coming to the forefront with this great scheme? Yeah, no, I think it's absolutely amazing what he's done. Um, and I think he's going to change the lives of so many children up and down the country. And I just really want to take us back to um, the start of lockdown when I think quarantine radio was taking place and they were putting pictures of Marcus Rashford on the front of the of, of, of certain newspapers because he was watching um, uh, a performance on, on Instagram Live. And I was making sure I looked out for him on the front page for this story. And you had to kind of sometimes go a little bit further into the, into the newspapers for that. But I just think it's really, it's really good that this has happened. And it's really good that, like you said, it's it's such a positive message. He's thinking beyond himself. He's, he's staying in touch with his community. And actually, I just think something like this, like what Fergus has done clapping, he should be praised to the highest hilt because this has got nothing to do with him. This is a completely selfish gesture. And I just really want to praise um praise him for, for for the work he's done on this and i think as well the resilience to not take to, to not just take the first no to keep going and actually get the u-turn makes this an even bigger story but do you listen to him on on, on i think it was matter today or the, or the news yesterday it, the guy has taken his wealth and his um opportunity by becoming a footballer to educate himself he speaks like he's educated but he hasn't lost where he comes from he knows he comes from a council estate in manchester he went back and looked after his own people i'll tell you the guy's class yeah 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 and um not a bad footballer either <laughs> need him for england he's done great work and sort of hats off to him like focus saying round of applause and helping children over this mm. and families from you know from just we just need to get that extended that it doesn't cover just 
school terms because there are so many hungry kids doing in the holidays. He's doing it over the summer. That- They're doing it in this summer holidays, but this is the only summer ho- It needs to continue yeah. every holiday. Fingers crossed it does, uh, and more people get behind it. And now it's get, again showing the player power, the importance of player power now being used for good, uh, for helping such schemes. And I know he was someone who grew up with free school meals and uh, myself having worked in schools around London, the importance of um, free school meals and helping pupil premium children is, mm. is vital. So big up to Marcus Rashford. Very, very... Uh, ben, ben, there are many other players out there. I know Ozil. I know Peter Cech. I know there's lots of players doing lots of good. Grealish does lots of good for his local community, etc. So, uh, listen, any footballer is doing something yeah, um, cool. and using their, their position of power, using their wealth uh, to help out people and remember where they come from. You just have to look at Didier Drogba. He's built half of African yeah. schools. Mm. Bellamy as well. Bellamy yeah. done um, his foundation was really, really prof- profitable and successful in the areas that he went to as well. So there's a lot of footballers that are doing good things. I mean, yeah, let's continue to praise them so they continue yeah. to do more. It is, yeah. Um, we're going to jump around the the general news a bit, and I'm going to jump to this one, which um, sort of up nicely. But with the project restart and with Black Lives Matter going on, uh, every player and uh, the officials are taking the knee before kickoff and with Black Lives Matter on the back of football shirts. I know people are making jokes or sort of putting a, putting a bet on that Black Lives Matter scores first, uh, which is quite funny. But it's really important to see the Premier League pushing forward and continuing to raise awareness and educate people. Um, I don't know what your guys' views are on that. Ash, have you sort of... Viewed- yeah, I've seen it. And I think it's, it's good that it's there. But my thing is what happens next. So this is, this is, this is a great sentiment. Um, it's going to finish after um, Monday's games. Um, but what's going to be the, the, the effect of it? And I think um, Ferguson and I were speaking about it earlier on, saying there could be some people that are doing it for the sake of it. Like there's been people who have been classed as, um, have been accused of racism, that have, have worn the shirts and they've kind of taken the knees and the stand. Um, and some of it is kind of token gestures. But my thing is, whenever I've whenever I've spoken about this subject over the last few weeks, yeah, that's fine. What I see now, while while it's up, but when it starts to kind of quiet and die down, what's going to happen next? And I just hope that this now um, sparks a consistent um, a, a consistent um, address of this matter, and it's not just going to kind of disappear very very quickly after this round of games. Yeah, agreed, Cal. Using anything, I know you mentioned about the shirts, trying to get the shirt with Black Lives Matter on the back. That'd be pretty cool. But what's your views on how the Premier League has been handling everything? Um, so you mean with the project restart? Yeah, yeah, and just the whole sort of uh, everyone taking the knee and with the Black Lives Matter on the back of the shirts and just... yeah, I, I think um, project restart has gone successfully, hasn't it? Um, you know, we we started. They've been testing and testing and testing. There's there's been no positives. Um, and um, and away we go. Um, it's great to see football back. It's good to see um, the social justice being included in the sport. Um, I know some people might think it's politics and they want to get away from it and they don't want to be involved. They don't want to see this kind of thing in sport. Um, I did see um, a related article that I think Ash found um, with a manager in the States saying, you know, why should we have the national anthem being played? Um, you know, 
maybe it's got nothing to do with sports. Maybe we should take that kind of thing out of sports. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, maybe Ash can expand on that um, a bit later. But on that, on this point of the Premier League coming back and players taking the knee and in light of the social injustice of America affecting the African-American citizens and most notably George Floyd, um, I just think it's great to see the support and to see what seems like common sense that people are realising that black lives actually do matter and it's not it's not trying to say that black lives are more important than anyone else's life so that someone has to counter that with all lives matter not just black lives matter it's actually just saying look there's actually some real social injustice Mm. affecting black people and we all need to actually take a part in protesting and making sure that black people are treated as equals and so yeah as a black person how could you not like to see uh, your heroes you know uh, we all love football we're all watching football um we all worship these players we buy their shirts we put them on the back of our shirt for them to have black lives matter on the back of their shirt it means a lot i love it it has been good it has been good yeah uh fergus have you any thoughts on that uh, i do middle-aged white man here <laughs> um I do have a view. Uh, my view is that I don't like politics and sport crossing over uh, because like religion and, and, and politics should never been talked about in the pub and stuff like that is the old ad- adage. Um, and to have uh, the BLM and, and, and taking to the knee in football brings politics into football. But in saying that, I think it's such a huge platform that the Premier League is. It is the perfect place. I contradict myself, don't worry. It's the perfect place to have it. So that it's got such a, um, uh, a prominent and worldwide audience. Um, if you look at what would you would say 80% of the players, 75% of the players in the Premier League are black. So, yeah, take to the knee. Um, the, the white players take to the knee because they uh, respect their black players um, and uh, in solidarity with them. But I do worry that if there was one guy who went, you know what, I find this a little bit condescending. I don't feel it from my heart. If you don't feel something from your heart, you shouldn't be asked to do it. And I I think there will be players uh, like there were policemen in protests who are kneeling down because they don't want to get their head kicked in uh, by uh, protesters in in various cities around the world um, just for the sake of it. And that... That shouldn't happen. I, I, I'd rather, as much as I want equality for everybody, think about all the gay players. And I know we've got a topic that you might be bringing up, but there's this gay and and, and and lesbian players out there. We had the rainbow sh- shoelaces and stuff. Now you've got Black Lives Matter. We'll have another thing and another thing and another thing. Um, I know people have said that the phrase all life matters almost um, uh, points to a right-wing sort of view. I don't, I'm, I'm definitely not right. I'm very centrist. Uh, but for me, as much as I, uh, yes, black lives matter, green lives matter, yellow lives matter, uh, humans matter for me. And, and this pandemic has just uh, proven that. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, so definitely just to sort of end on that, I agree uh, with Ash that the education side needs to continue and that we hope this isn't just a, a moment for uh, other people to, to jump on the bandwagon and then forget about it a week, mm. a month, a year in advance. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's positive. It starts at home. It starts in the streets. Uh, educating one another. Racism is built off ignorance and fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we can eradicate 
uh, or begin to sort of dilute it. I don't know if you'll ever get, unfortunately, because it's a whole concept of power and control. Uh, we'll, we'll wait to be seen, but we, we're all for everyone uh, for Black Lives Matter and supporting one another. I think Fergus touched on a really interesting point, which we probably don't have time to expand on, but maybe this is a conversation for another day. Um, maybe, not, maybe not in the pub because it's a bit <laughs> political. I was going to bring it up. Um, I was going to bring it up depending on time. You, you talking about the Troy Deeney thing? No, 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 no. I was, it was a point that Fergus just touched on, um, which is that, you know, when you have all of these political things happening in football, there might be some people that are actually forced to do it begrudgingly. Like yeah. they just have to go along with it. And is it right? Is it right for that? Like, for example, say you are a right wing kind of person or say you have you you harbor ill feeling towards people of other races and you don't necessarily want to look at McLean. Look at McLean with the uh, with the poppy. Mm. Um, His kids about the um, he had he got into trouble about that, didn't he? He refused he refused to wear the poppy. Sorry, uh, Carl, you carry on. Same as you're saying. Yeah. I mean, should you be forced to do it? I think it's a very interesting point that I haven't actually thought of uh, before, which I would love to flesh out. But unfortunately, we haven't got the time to do that on this podcast. Maybe another time. Maybe we'll meet up and have a drink uh, when quarantine all sort of uh, uh, ends and uh, we can get into that. Well, we owe owe Fergus a few beers because of um, him taking... uh... He was Lee's agent of getting him on the podcast. So I did say, <laughs> listen, if you head to the King's Old Cup and High Beach in Nepping Forest, take away beers and there's a big green outside. <laughs> so uh, I drove past High Beach yesterday um, watching the game with a Brighton fan and cut my hair, gave me the, the most hair. So I've got a, I've got a, <laughs> I've got that haircut. Right. No, how we... no pushing, no pushing. Uh, yeah. How, how are we for time, Cal? I'm just conscious that, um, People's day has to continue. Is a few we can breeze through. Got over I'm, fifty minutes. There's a few more stories to talk about. I'm not sure how everyone else feels about time right now. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. We'll start to wrap it up just briefly. I mean, we touch on Fergus said about the rainbow laces, and I'll just touch on Troy Dean. He did mention uh, in an article that there is uh, probably one or two gay or bisexual players in the team. I would simply say, who cares? Yes, gay, straight. Mm. If you're, you know, upright, down, purple, as long as you're doing your job and can, you can they play football? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Can they can they play football? Can they do their job? Are they respectful? I'm sure other players won't mind. Why should they? And then there's a chance to educate one another, just like uh, Muslim players would educate uh, Christian players, just like black. Friday evening, I was up in the said uh, high beach with a friend of mine and other friends. And one of the guys there, he's as gay as they come. But, you know, he's my friend. I'm having a beer with him. That's, you know, I don't care if somebody's gay if they're playing football or not playing football. Um, You know, you keep your views to yourself. I'll keep my views to myself. I won't force myself upon you and you don't force yourself upon me. In the matter of speaking, if you know what I mean. Of course, yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It depends how much you like to drink, but no, I'm joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but... <laughs> <laughs> I do like that haircut, you know. Thank you. I'm surprised you can see me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's just getting dense. Team dense over here. Um, no, there is one more point I wanted to make on this. So I think, like you said, um, we're, we're, like, we're, there's a real push for equality. There's a real push for understanding. And there's a real push for education. And I think... The most important thing that we can do is take the time to kind of correct ourselves, look at look at ourselves and then look at our, our small community. So I think all the things that are happening in football, 
and we and I think as a podcast, we've never ever been kind of we never shy away from from any issue that's there. Um, we we take the time to read up on these things and we educate ourselves as well. So I think if we if we are able to encourage other people to do that, and then that then has a like a knock on effect, then the ripple effect is that people will, will become a bit more understanding, a little bit more tolerant, and actually things like having to to, to nail or put Black Lives Matters on, those things won't even need to happen because we should all be seen on on, on an even standing. So while I understand that we're doing this now, the, the, the goal is that it is just football because then actually when we're in football, whether you are gay, whether you are black, whether you are kind of like of a different faith, none of that stuff actually matters. It's just down uh, to who you are as a footballer. Ash, who would you rather get in, in a fight with, a, a footballer or a rugby player? Footballer. Yeah, because you stand a better chance, don't mm. you? Yeah. Well, there's a gay rugby player already, openly gay, mm. professional. He's out there. So, you know, mm. football needs to ca- to catch up. There's gay tennis players. Mm. There's gay horse riders. Yeah. There's, you know, it, football needs to catch up. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Like, Adama Traore is pretty, pretty hench. So, I don't, I don't really <laughs> want to fight like anyone. He does look like he should. He, he, he looks like he belongs in rugby league. Yeah, he? I'm not trying to fight anyone, to be fair. <laughs> Um, I do think it's an interesting thing in this this article here uh, regarding Troy Deeney where he said uh, it's important that we all avoid speculating about players' sexual orientation as this can spark a frenzy of people trying to guess who these players might be. And I think it's a thing where, you know, people in the heterosexual community can often try to guess or try to spot somebody who is gay and, you know, and then it becomes a bit of a sort of bit of banter. Um, but, you know, in this day and age, it's 2020, that kind of thing is just... It's immoral and uh, there's no place for it, really. So, you know, we should probably try and make an inclusive, supportive environment so that if people are uh, homosexual, they feel feel comfortable. And if they want to come out, then they'll come out. Um, But, you know, obviously shouldn't have any pressures for them to do so. But if I I was a gay man, I don't think Troy would be my sort. (laughs) Rough and rugged. He's a bit... bit... Yeah, he he belongs with a a cathedral near him, doesn't he? Not for time. Uh, I'm wow. guessing David, David Luiz is more your flavour then, is it, uh, Fergus? Oh, I'd run my fingers through his hair and strangle, <laughs> and strangle him. <laughs> this podcast has gone left. <laughs> you got me on here, guys. So what do you expect? Partridge says, on that bombshell, um, oh. well, then start to wrap it up. So uh, we... First of all, folks, we want to say a big thank you for coming on today and giving us your time. I've enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for the invite. Thank you very much. Cheers. We're trying not to uh, sort of bog you down or or depress you and and Ash and Cal with too much sort of Arsenal uh, Mm. talk. So just to let people know, this is uh, the podcast play on at podcast play on. Make sure you subscribe, share. Uh, Just to go over what we've been talking about, we've introduced our guest and reviewed the games over the weekend, Project Restart, football is here. The light at the end of the football tunnel is finally shining brightly down upon us. Uh, we've spoke about Marcus Rashford um, helping um, 1.5 or so you know, million of children with their free uh, school lunches over the summer, and let's hope it continues. Crowd noise. Um, Troy Deeney discussing the possibility of gay and straight and bisexual footballers. And Black Lives Matter is always coming to the forefront, taking a knee. Ash anything to end today's episode no just a massive thank you to fergus um yeah let's just continue to 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 look after each other um 2020 has been a rough year um 
so yeah let's just keep kind of um humanity consideration and understanding at the forefront of everything that we do well said if, if 2020 was a footballer please um having said that uh, really looking forward to moving positive uh, moving forward in a positive way uh, mm. Kevin, as, as we end up the uh the show Again, a huge shout out to Fergus. Um, I always get the name of your podcast wrong. Is it is it the Red and Yellow Ribbons? Guns and Guns Yellow Ribbons. Guns and Yellow Ribbons podcast. So make sure you guys uh, Google that, um, subscribe and follow. We'll, we'll have the links on social media and everything so you can uh, catch up with Fergus and his podcast. Um, shout out to Dan Potts, uh, who's also been on our podcast before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Potts, uh, yeah. And Lee as well. And Lee, of course. Um, That's another pint you owe me. I'm going to have to get my whole keg at this point. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> it's a trip to Dublin. How about that? A trip to Dublin. Oh. I'm down for that. Uh, listen, there was, a, there was one final thing I was going to say. The Premier League has uh, held the success um, uh, the, of Project Restart after the Arsenal defenders managed to stay at least two metres away <laughs> from uh, the Man City players at all times. <laughs> And the Brighton ones as well. Yeah. Let's not forget them. Yeah. Jesus. There's endless memes, endless jokes to do with our beloved team, sort of about the Arsenal masks not being able to keep anything back. And I don't know. It's, it's a shame that we've become the, uh, you know, the joke on social media, but they will see better days ahead. Um, here's hoping for all the Arsenal fans. But of course, we don't just cater for Arsenal fans. All the football fans, so if you are interested in, in getting on or you'd like to voice your opinion, hit us up on all social media platforms. Um, I've been Ben. I've been Ash. I've been Fergus. Thank you for listening. Have a good week. Peace. Well done, guys. Quality pod. <laughs>